0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today we're going to have a lot of fun with the NFL draft, look at a couple different things from a lot of different angles, because that's just the best way to do this, in so my, my opinion. opinion. We, we can, can talk, talk about, about the same, same five prospects, and we will, or we can kind of branch out a bit. But before we get there, we got a couple other things to talk about. The first and probably most important, because it's the biggest thing on you know the Packers' verse right now, is a quote by Mr. Mark Murphy. Now, I'm hesitant to play the quote because it's one of those Packers.com things where they play music over it so you can barely even hear what the guy is saying. However, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the quote and then I'm going to play the quote and see if you can kind of see where I'm going with this because it was upon hearing it that it kind of dawned on me, yeah, listen, I, I don't relish being the wet blanket of the Packers community. I don't relish being the guy that uh, pokes around social media and sees everyone freaking out. Like, dude, did you see this? It's crazy. And I'm like, wow, what is it? Show me. And then I look at it and I'm like, mm, yeah, no. So, um, you're all wrong about this. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, I mean, if you want to be excited, you can be excited. But I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and kind of throw a little bit of water on the flame. So let me again read this. Mark Murphy was talking about the NFL draft and about how, you know, people are commenting that Aaron Rodgers has nobody to throw to. And um, he says, look, we got a lot of time. And then the the main quote here says, with the draft capital we have now, I'll just say the draft is going to be very interesting. And again, when you read it, you can put whatever inflection you want on it. You know, And I, whatever kind of face he's got, he's looking at him, he's like, let me just tell you this right now. We've got some draft capital, I don't know if you knew about that. Um Keep your eye on the draft. I think it might be, how should I say this? Interesting. (laughs) And then he walks off all sly. You know, he throws on some shades as he walks away, struts off. It's hard to picture Mark Murphy strutting, but if you try hard enough, you can do it. And he just struts off into the sunset, still chuckling, you know. (laughs) Kind of can't hear him because he's walking away. He's kind of far away, you know. But I'm just trying to build out this image because that apparently is the image people have when they read this quote. In other words, he's signaling to us. He's like, I can't tell you, but uh, <laughs> I can't not chuckle when I do it. It's just, it's the, it's, it's how it has to be with this whole thing, or it just doesn't work. I'm not saying anything here, Chuck. He wasn't talking to Chuck, but again, it just, it's a feel thing. I'm going from the gut here. Let me just tell you, Chuck. I can't give you any specifics, but um, let's just say it's gonna be interesting. <laughs> Sunglasses strut. So I've built out the picture. That's the picture that most people got from this. That's sort of the whole, like, dang, something's about to go down is generally the consensus among Packer fans. And Matt LaFleur has been hinting it. Now Mark Murphy's hinting it. Everybody's hinting that something big is about to go down. Now, let me just play this for you and see if maybe you pick up a little something different as you listen to this. Again, I apologize for the music. It is what it is. Uh, I, I feel good. I have a lot of a lot of confidence in both Brian and Matt. I think, and, and Russ, you know, this, obviously, I think it might be our offseason MVP with you know, trying to you know, juggle the, the salary cap. But uh, obviously, we lost Devonte. Hated to see that. But on a personal level, um, I know that's what he wanted, and I think it ended up where it was kind of a win-win for him and for the team. Um, So, I know a lot of people are panicking. Who's Aaron going to throw the ball to? Well, we don't have a game for quite a while. And I know Brian and his staff have, you know, with the draft capital that we have now, I think, you know, I'll just say the draft's going to be very interesting this year. I think we can really help ourselves. So, there was a chuckle. And again, I apologize. I could not get the volume any louder. I cranked everything up. I cranked, you know, but, anyways, uh, I think you kind of get the gist. Um, and he he did chuckle. I'll give you that. Let me give you my opinion, which is really I'm gonna be not super humble here and say it's not my opinion, it's just the reality. Mark Murphy has no idea what's gonna happen in the draft. Brian Gudekunst has no idea what's gonna happen in the draft. That's not to say that, you know, they they might not be formulating some kind of a plan, this, that, or the other, but I don't even think Mark Murphy would know if they were. He's saying that. In the same way that you and I could be having a conversation and say the exact same thing. With the draft capital we have, things are going to be pretty interesting. In other words, it's going to be crazy. Why? Because we have two first-round picks and two second-round picks. You don't need to elaborate. That makes it crazy. We're either going to get four picks in the first two days or, I mean, regar- because it's all the same value. If we trade up to pick 10 with our two first-round picks, that's crazy. It's equally as crazy as getting two first-round picks. That's inherent in the fact that that's the value to get up to 10. Might not be as exciting because a big trade is always more exciting, but it's it's the same thing. So there is no secret plan here. He's not lifting the veil just a tiny bit to show you that, dude, something big is about to go down. That's not what he's saying. And if it was, he wouldn't say that. Although I will say Matt LaFleur needs to do a little better job of um, not saying things. I like that he says stuff, but I have to think Brian Gutekun smacks him on a regular basis. Like, just full-on, I'm not going to make a Chris Rock joke, but I almost did, and I'm like, it's getting tired at this point. I got to let that thing die. But it's hard to say slap somebody, and your mind doesn't immediately go there. But Matt LaFleur just sitting back in his chair going, you know what we need? We need a wide receiver with just sickening speed. Brian Gutekun's trying to be, like, all covert, which is, like, rule number one about the draft is you keep your big, fat mouth shut. You say nothing about what you want, what you're thinking, what your desires are. And you could try to say, well, maybe Matt was saying that as some kind of a decoy, we're actually targeting an edge rusher and we just want... Pe- I doubt it. We want speed. And there's no... Qu- We've always wanted speed. It's always been a big thing. We've been trying to get... M- we care way too much about MVS. It's why the team was so obsessed with MVS, despite the fact that he wasn't really super great and the fact that they were willing to pay him way too much money. They, they're desperate for that that element of their team, which I think most teams need that, you know, that one guy that can do it. But him saying that is like, dude, what are you doing? It's just shocking to me. I mean, you hear stories about, you know, Packers personnel guys not talking to their families just out of principle because it's draft season. Like, I'm sorry, we don't, or, or at the very least, we don't talk football. But if they work for another team or another organization, it's like, we do not talk, period. And here's Matt Lafleur. Like, here's let me let me give you a list of things we're trying to get in the draft this year that we're kind of desperate for. It's like, dude, shut it. But again, it, it just there's no reason to read into it more. And th- this is like the crux of most of the conspiracy theory type stuff. the The whole thing is just sitting right there for you. He even said it. We have. With with the draft capital we have, it's going to be interesting. What do you think it means? I think it means what he said. What's going to be interesting? The draft capital is going to make it interesting. And yes, that does include potential to move up. Ammunition if need be. And and I've already said it, they are a trade-up team, not just historically, which is true, but in terms of necessity, in terms of the build of the team. Now, you could disagree and say, no, I think they need wide receiver, they need tight end, they need offensive line, they could certainly use another say I'm I'm fine with more picks, but of all the teams that have the ability to claim to be a pick or two away, I could certainly see them, you know. Let's put it this way. They're one of the few teams that if they did trade up for a, let's just say, wide receiver, which doesn't feel like a Packers thing to do, but just going back to what I said, or Drake London, let's just say they trade up and uh, take Drake, which would actually make a lot of sense, especially if Garrett Wilson's on the board. Actually, it would make more sense if they took somebody like Jermaine Johnson or something. But anyways, I'm getting in the weeds here. They take a wide receiver. A lot of teams would do that and I would look at them and say you guys are stupid. Similar to the way I said with Miami and and the Raiders, like you guys have way too many needs to be throwing away all your draft capital and all your money on one wide receiver. Way too many needs. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe you guys are going to be great and you'll be fine and you'll make it work, right? Some teams can make it work with deficiencies. Like I've I've been hammering the Chiefs since forever. There's there's almost no defensive talent on that team with the exception of two or three guys and yet here they are just dominating and a lot of it's their defense, but you know, it's a separate issue. But generally speaking, I'm not just going to bet on that. If that was the case, then we don't even need the draft. We have deficiencies, but we're great in a lot of places, and we'll just overcome deficiencies and win a Super Bowl. So uh, I don't want to say anything that I'm not saying. I would say the odds the Packers move up is relatively high. Again, based on three factors that are very critical. Number one, we do it all the time. Or I should say Brian Gutekunst specifically. It's not a Packers-specific thing. It's a Brian Gutekunst specific thing. He has a, a list of guys that he really, really likes. And if he has the opportunity to get him, he's gonna go get him. He he just he does not mess around. Number two, we have massive amounts of draft capital, early draft capital, which means we can move up real high. So he really is gonna and that that's the other thing too. When you talk about tiers, when we move up, we're moving up for like second tier guys which is, you know, we can call them first round, but second tier, I don't don't know exactly how you would break that down. But for example, you move up for a guy like um, uh, Jair Alexander, we moved back up for him. Jair Alexander was not necessarily, I don't believe a top tier guy, that is to say, he wouldn't have been, if the Packers are picking in the top five, I don't think he would have been the pick. But he's second tier or third tier, however it's broken down. I don't know what their horizontal board looks like and how many tiers it's broken down into. The, the only examples I've heard sound like very broad tiers, which always surprises me because you would think that the grouping would be much more small and be lots of different tiers, but I don't know. The point is, he can now not just jump up and, hey, we've only got two guys left in, in the next available tier. He can jump up way up and say, hey, we can go all the way up into that tier. Right? We might not be able to get the top five talent, but the top 10 talent, considering some of them from their top 10 board is going to fall out of the top 10, right? I mean, it's, it's possible that all of their top 10 go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, and they're all gone. But it's more likely that one or two of those guys is going to slip out. You know, somebody takes a quarterback or this or that or the other thing, and it just pushes guys out, you know, desperate need for wide receiver. If the Packers don't have Garrett Wilson as a top 10 guy, it's not, it wouldn't be surprising if somebody took a guy like that in the top 10. Or Drake London, if if they like his his athletic abilities enough, you know these highly coveted type of of uh, athletic wide receivers. Some teams, unlike the Packers, are are they overvalue wide receiver. These are the teams that are constantly swinging out at, at first round wide receivers that never do anything. Which is most of them. Of course, we never want to acknowledge that while we sit here and and cry and whine about how the Packers never never swing and miss at wide receivers in the first round. It's a travesty. But if they slip out to 11 to 12, you could see Gutekun saying, dude, we've got an opportunity for a top 10 talent. We're sitting at 22, and we have the ability to move up and go get those guys. I mean, we're getting close to being able to use a second round pick at this point. I think I had said if you use the 22 and our first second, we can get up to like 14. So, I mean, if they're at pick 12 and there's still two guys available, it's like, "Um, let's grab that second round pick and see if anybody's willing to bite on that. Because if this is a guy that's looking at you know, guys that he likes and is like, we got to go get him. Imagine what he's going to do when guys that are like top tier, top 10-ish, not that top 10 is a thing, but you get what I'm saying. Upper tier guys still available. He's going to be chomping at the bit, man. Forget this. I'm not waiting for Jack. We've got the ability to move. We got that guy sitting right there. We're going to get him. Now, again, here's the thing that needs to, to everybody needs to recognize. This is not a position-specific thing. This is a, that guy's a freak. I can't believe he's available. We got to go get him. That could be a tackle. That could be an edge rusher. That could be a wide receiver. That could be a defensive tackle. That could be a safety. There may be some positions that they wouldn't necessarily do that for, like guard or center or running back, obviously, which there isn't one. I do like Brees, but he's certainly not a top 10 talent. You know, tight end, probably not, which, again, don't need to worry about that. I don't think there is that um, top 10 talent in this draft class. But if you see a trade-up, you don't have to immediately go, we're doing it, we're getting Garrett, we're getting Drake, we're getting uh, Olave, or whatever, you know, whatever it is that they think is a top 10 talent. It's the, And that that's the point, though. It could be. And then people are going to be mad and say, you didn't have to trade, you could have waited until 20. 20- Dude, all the Packers know is that they have, top, they have 10 guys in their top 10. Again, I know this isn't exactly how it is, but because I can't see it, let's just call it a top 10. Let's just say that's our tier. If I have Olave at night, and we're at 12 and he's still sitting there, maybe every other team is like, "Nah, we'll wait until like 25-ish. And maybe I can wait until 22, but probably not. If he's ninth on our board, somebody else has him really high. By the way, something else, now that we've completely moved off the Mark Murphy thing, you get my point, right? He's not telling us anything. He's just saying, it's going to be crazy. And you know what? There's every reason to believe that. Not because he knows anything, but because he's in the same spot we are, looking at the same information we are, coming to the same conclusion we should. It's going to be crazy. Man, what was I going to say now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, something else that somebody mentioned that I think is is also worth noting. I wonder how much the Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk thing sticks in their craw as far as wide receiver. Now, I, again, I just said it doesn't have to be wide receiver, but you got to wonder. We know the Packers liked both of those guys. We know the Packers were interested in drafting them. We are almost certain um, that if either of them had made it to the Packers, they would have trade it up. In fact, if somebody else liked Jordan Love and would have taken them instead of of Ayuk or Justin Jefferson, then presumably we would have looked at our board and said, dude, there's nobody left. We got to go up and get him. And we would have traded up for one of those two guys. But that's not the way it fell. I just wonder if they look at that and say, you know, we valued them pretty highly, but I wish we would have valued them a little bit higher so that we could have been a little bit more aggressive. It's all hindsight, but you know, again, we, we look back and I've, I've told you guys, the Packers did want to draft wide receiver in all these spots, but yet they were never really aggressive enough to just go get them. They were willing to let them fall to them. And if they did, we would take them. But I think with such a wide receiver heavy NFL, again, it's not that the Packers don't like wide receiver. I think it's just the NFL covets wide receiver more than the Pack. So the strategy of, I really like these guys. I hope they fall to us. But if not, we'll take somebody else. I think that's that's starting to hurt them because, again, the rest of the NFL is obsessed, overly obsessed, too obsessed. And if we really did an analysis of what's going on, although we can certainly look at hits, we can look at Minnesota getting Justin Jefferson, we can look at all these different examples, there are, for every one of those, there are 10 examples of teams being way too overzealous at wide receiver, swinging, missing, and some teams keep swinging and swinging and swinging and swinging and swinging, and they just cannot hit on wide receiver. The Packers very rarely swing, and when they do, I mean, the last time they took a, a swing at wide receiver was, well, Amari, and then before that was, what, the three swings, and we hit on one of them, which, again, is surprising. I mean, hit is relative, but for a fifth-round pick, considering the rest of the class, I think it was a pretty good hit. But you just wonder if all these things are culminating and, and coming into to a clearer picture. If you want a wide receiver, you're going to have to come out of your comfort zone a little bit, and we already know they're, they're comfortable in moving up. But are you comfortable in doing something a little crazy? And generally the answer is no. And generally I respect that. But if the rest of the NFL is only going to be crazy about wide receiver and is only going to overvalue wide receiver, you cannot get them unless you also overvalue them. And also we're going to have a hard time retaining wide receiver. Again, I'm I'm not okay with the amount of money that and 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 uh well let's let's just say MVS, the amount of money MVS got. But if every single time we have a wide receiver and he's working out well for us and they realize if I hold out, I'll go somewhere else and make more money because the Packers don't pay wide receivers and everybody else is just psycho and they're going to pay wide receivers as much as as edge rushers. Uh, you know, it's it's to the point where you don't want to be stupid, but you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. It's kind of like grocery shopping in the midst of massive inflation. Every single item you look at and say, I'm not buying that, that's irresponsible. But if you don't go home with groceries, you starve to death. So you have to buy something. So if everything is based on value and what your your preconceived notion of value is, right? Rice should not cost that much. Rice should be way cheaper. I'm not buying that. I'm certainly not buying meat. That is way too expensive for me. Two years ago, you know, if you base everything on value from two years ago, you starve to death. So at some point, you just have to acknowledge, I have to be stupid today, and I'm going to pay stupid prices for things that I should not be spending money on. All these prices are outrageous, but oh well, I have to do it. Same with gasoline. That's insane. I'm not paying that. Well, then you don't drive your car anymore. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at with wide receiver. Not necessarily this year, but it just seems like overall there seems to be a, a an obsession with wide receiver. And, and a lot of that probably has to do with the success of a lot of teams that stack wide receivers. You know, they, they don't just have one, they have two. And then they don't just have two. Some of them, they have like Tampa Bay. The one time they were the freak outliers with three top end wide receivers is ha- just so happens to be the year they won the Super Bowl. Anyways, the only other uh, big news to come out, and it was very big news, in fact, is um, head coach Bruce Arians is retiring and moving to a front office role. Per Peter King, Todd Bowles will be the new head coach in Tampa. Apparently, um, Tom Brady did not know this when he came back. My understanding of the series of events was Tom Brady stepped away, he spent some time reflecting, and just kind of burst back onto the scene and was like, "I'm coming back." And Bruce was like, "Hey." Um, just letting you know, I'm leaving, bro. In other words, he found out shortly after he made his announcement that he's coming back, that um, Bruce is retiring. And I have to assume, which is kind of funny, Bruce decided to retire. Not Maybe he would have done it anyways, but Bruce decided to retire after Tom Brady decided to leave. And when Tom came back, he, he didn't change his mind. That, that's always been the interesting thing about Bruce Arians. I've talked about it a few times in the past. He went to Tampa Bay because he was basically semi-retired. He is a huge family guy. When he retired, it was all about just sitting on his boat, just hanging out with his family. He loved his family. And when he took that Tampa Bay job, it was sort of a semi-retirement thing. He's out on the beach. He's chilling. He's hanging out with his his family. I'm sure he works hard. I'm not trying to disparage the guy, but I'm just saying he's always had retirement in the back of his mind. He was very happy to be retired. And so this was always going to be a short-term thing, right? I got Tom Brady. I got all this stuff. We're going to go win a Super Bowl. And then, you know, the same with Tom and a bunch of other guys that decided to come back. Bruce Arians had to decide whether he wanted to come back. And they just, they all decided, let's run it back. They brought everybody back. They squeezed the cap as tight as they could to make everybody come back. And uh, they made a pretty good run at it. They almost got there. And so I have to assume Todd, or excuse me, Bruce Arians, if I've been saying Todd Bowles, I apologize. Bruce Arians, I do that all every time. It's my least favorite thing about listening to my own podcast when I go back and listen to it is like, why did you said that? You didn't even realize it. I make that mistake all the time always say weird stuff. I have to assume Bruce Arians was, you know, 85% out the door as it was. He loves retirement. He wants to just hang out with his family. He's got plenty of money. He's He's in Florida, just on the beach out in Tampa. Like, life is just great, man. He loves being retired. He loves football, but he loves being retired. And so when Tom said, I'm calling it quits, he's like, thank you, perfect, great, I'm out of here. And he gets so excited about it. He's got vacations planned. He's got so many plans. So by the time Tom came back, he's like, I'm sorry, dude, I'm I'm so committed to retirement right now. There's no way. And who knows, maybe, you know, well, I guess we do know, because Todd ball they're not going to fire Todd Balls and bring Arians back. But maybe that I miss football bug will come back at some point. But I don't think so. Again, he he's, that dude is, is jacked to be out of the NFL. He's jacked to be retired. I mean, he's, he's. He's like John Gruden, man. Well, you you know what I mean. That image of John Gruden sitting on the beach with his corona, like just doing corona commercials and just hanging out. Or uh, what, Jimmy Johnson? Every time you see that guy, like if you want to do an interview with Jimmy Johnson, you got to go to Florida, you got to jump on his fishing boat. These guys just want to get on a boat, go out into the ocean. That's it. Or if you're, again, Gruden, you're sitting on the beach with a, you know, in one of those cheap, you know, rubbery kind of chairs. You know, not really a beach chair, but it's just, you know, this is what I sit in. It just sinks into the sand, but it's fine. And just drinking Coronas. This is what multi-millionaire coaches do that work highly stressful jobs. They're like, you know what? I'm just not dealing with any stress anymore. I'm so happy to just be retired and live my life. Now, obviously Gruden came back, but so did Arians. And now he's gone. Um, do have some questions about what this means for Tampa. I mean, I, I Tampa, you can only run it back so many times, you know. And last year's version of Tampa was not as good as two years ago's version of Tampa. And we saw that. They didn't win. Tom kind of fell apart a little bit. As much as as Rogers gets bashed for for getting knocked out of the playoffs and taking the entirety of the blame, um, Tom Brady does not take enough blame for the issues with his team and all the stuff going on there. He is a big part of when they don't do well. It's because Tom just didn't pull through. And so the you know the team around Tampa, you know they they try hard. They bring back a lot of guys, kind of like the Packers. You you don't expect them to be able to bring back as many guys as they do, but you know there there is a slow deterioration going on there. And so now you take Arians out of the mix and you put Todd Bowles in his place. And, you know, I know it's probably not fair to judge Todd Bowles based on how he did with the Jets, because everybody that is a Jets head coach sucks, but he was, it was terrible. Right. He was, he was Bruce Arians guy and he, you know, Bruce Arians did such a good job in Arizona that Todd Bowles got a massive amount of credit and they're like, we got to hire that guy. And so the Jets are like, let's go get him because they did such a great job in Arizona. And then he gets hired and nothing got better at all. It was a terrible football team. And then Bruce is like, hey, man, I got a job over here in Tampa. You want to just come work for me again? And we'll just dominate since everybody thinks you suck now. And I know that you don't. At the very least, I know that you know how to run what I want run. And let's just do what we did in Arizona over here with Tom Brady and Tampa Bay and the whole thing. Although Tom might not have been in the equation yet, but it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant to the point of the story. Just have to clarify for those of you that want to nitpick every single thing I say. My wife does that all the time. I'll, I'll use just random examples and she'll nitpick it. And it's like that is not the point of the story. It's not meant to be literal. I'm just throwing in random filler. You're you're missing the main point. If we could just focus on the main point that would be fantastic. Constantly derailing me with what do you mean? Why why would that happen? It wouldn't. I I don't I, I... I want to use that much brain power to come up with something that's super specific, that is irrelevant to the point. But I don't see it as a positive development. I mean, Bruce Arians is the thing that makes it go. He made it go in Arizona. He made it go in Tampa Bay. Todd Bowles had one shot at making something go, and it didn't go. So although Tom basically steers that ship anyways, so if Todd can just kind of hang back and do what Bruce did and be like, hey, man, you just kind of run the offense and let me handle the defense. We'll be okay. I don't know, but you know generally don't see it as a positive development for um for Tampa but 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 the hire does make sense because you just want to change as little as possible we don't want anything to change so if he's going to leave i just want to hire the person closest to Bruce Arians so that you can make sure nothing changes just keep everything exactly the way it was please you know if we can promote an offensive coordinator from within you know the 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 quarterback coach or whoever understands what offense we were running here the most, or just keep the same offensive coordinator. I don't I don't know. I'm just saying everything needs to stay the same. Defensive coordinator, bring somebody up that knows exactly what you were doing. And your job is to make sure everything is exactly the same. And don't touch it. Todd's job is to just oversee the, the, the operation and make sure that it looks identical to what Bruce did. Anyways, um, why don't we take a break? We'll come back on the other side, take a look at some uh, interesting little draft things from different perspectives. And what not? Don't forget, we got the two GoFundMes over at the um, Packernet Podcast Facebook group. We've got Jamie and Carter's GoFundMe. Um, Again, we're very, very close to to really finishing out this goal, but we have not had a donation in eight days, so we've come to a complete standstill. Um, I'd love to get one more final push, if we could, to to just completely finish this out. Again, uh, Jamie was in a head-on collision. By the way, I I was almost in a head-on collision yesterday. We'll save that until after the break, I guess. It's pretty scary. But um, she had her one-year-old middle child, Carter, with her. They were struck head-on and had to be flight for life to the hospital. Again, have not had an update recently. Uh, March 3rd was the last one. Um, there's some pretty serious stuff going on with them. But we're trying to get $10,000 raised to help with um, travel expenses, medical expenses, all that kind of stuff. Because Cody, um, who sent this to me, is um, has a lot on his plate, and we just want to help him out. Also, let's not forget about Drew. Uh, we've got a little bit of a ways to go. We're about halfway to getting Drew a seizure service dog. Um, he was diagnosed with epilepsy, which is a pretty serious um, it's a pretty serious situation. He has uh, seizures; he loses consciousness, uh, convulses severely, and so it's it's something that's that's really hard to deal with, and um, it's hard to always have somebody with him all the time. So a service dog could help him out tremendously. Um, he has not had a donation in ten days, so we've kind of again come to a complete standstill. I know it's tough. I know most of you have already given, so it's, you know, you've done your part. But again, it would be nice if we could get like one more real big push for these guys and um, see if we can if we can close these things out and get them the help they need. It would be pretty tremendous. Finally, don't forget about amodernfrontier.com. Oh man, I just checked the site. He's got more stuff on here. Not now he's selling. I got to click on this and see what exactly it is. It's kind of interesting. If you're if you're local to the area, he's selling a uh, a workshop it sounds like it sounds like it's an in-person thing. It's a shiitake mushroom workshop. I wish I didn't despise mushrooms so much cuz it sounds interesting. Man, am I going to have to ugh. See, I'm on this like kind of a healthy eating kick. Biggest thing is is getting um a lot of the vitamins and minerals and stuff that I've been neglecting my whole life cuz I just don't care. And he's listing on here great source of phosphorus, potassium, iron, and vitamin D. It's like, man, am I going to have to eat stupid mushrooms now? But anyways, there's that Uh, The class is in Douseman, Wisconsin, so if you're in the area and that sounds any bit interesting to you, um, sounds like he's going to give you like a log to take home to grow them. I I have no idea how that works, but that's what the workshop is for. Uh, He's also got the log dogs. He's got the butcher's dozen ground beef, one-eighth grass-fed beef box. Um, We've got the one-quarter pastured pork box, taste of the farm sample box, pastured chicken sample box, uh grass-fed beef sample box, pastured pork sample box. So a lot of different options for pork, chicken, and beef. And now we've got the shiitake mushroom workshop. I wonder if my family would like it. That would be kind of cool. And my son is obsessed with like growing stuff. I want to get him one of those like um, home things where you can grow whatever. I'm providing you no information here, but it's, you can grow stuff in your, in your house because he loves growing stuff. But anyways, head over to a amodernfrontier.com. Check some of that stuff out, um, especially with prices being what they are. If you can cut costs anywhere, this would be a great place to do it. Use promo code MEATPACKER, one word, all caps, and um, you can save yourself $25 on that order. I'm dragging my feet so much, I think I'm just going to call and be like, dude, I need another order. I didn't finish what I have, but I don't care. I, I just want, I want more meat, so thanks in advance. Anyways, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. So I want to make sure we get to uh, the question that I told you yesterday or the day before that was very interesting to me, and um, I believe it was from Zach. It was in the uh, Patreon Discord, by the way, if you are a member of Patreon, that is one of the perks that I don't have to provide, so even if I'm slacking, you've always got that, and uh, there's always a good amount of chatter in the uh, Patreon, uh, Packernet Patreon Discord. And Zach, I see you've got a second question in here, so I will try to, uh, try to get to that, but um, Again, the question was, who is one player we'd be happy to see either of the Lions or Vikings take in round one? First thing I want to bring up here, um, and again, it's so early, it probably doesn't mean very much, but I'll I'll mention it. Um, This is via my sports update, Ari Mirov. Lions GM Brad Holmes said today that he's had dialogue with a few teams about a potential trade involving the number two overall pick. Holmes said it's still relatively early, but things are like uh are likely to heat up as the draft nears. So it's it's kind of a nothing thing. It's it's more just general information of things that we know is going to happen at some point, and that is he's going to be receiving a lot of calls to trade up, and they're going to listen. But here's here's the thing. I I really think the Lions are gonna stay put, and I really think they're gonna end up with Aiden Hutchinson. Um there's obviously a lot of people think the Jaguars are gonna take Aiden Hutchinson, and they very well may, but if you look at how desperate the Jaguars have been, wh- what is that desperation pointing to? They're, they're clearly not spending massive amounts of money because they want to be Super Bowl contenders because they're not. What have they spent massive amounts of money doing? Let's just look at just March 12th, which, granted, it's basically 90% of the things that they've done, but um, they signed tight end Evan Ingram, they signed guard Brandon Scherf, they signed wide receiver Zay Jones, they signed wide receiver Christian Kirk, as well as defensive tac- tackle... Uh, Foley Fatukasi and linebacker Foye Olu whatever. This by the way came just like a week or two after they um, designated Cam Robinson offensive tackle as a franchise player. I got to turn my uh, so you don't hear my discord bladoops in there. Go ahead and mute that. The point is they've been building up their offense. They spent massive amounts of money on um, Scherf and wide receivers. All right, Christian Kirk deal was $18 million per year. Brandon Scherf, they paid $16 million per year. That's pretty massive. Also, this freaking linebacker, they paid $15 million a year for. Who even is Foyesade Oluokun? I've never heard of his name in my life. That is so weird. But the point is, my assumption is they're going to take a tackle. Now, you could say, well, they just franchised Cam Robinson and they have Juwan Taylor, who is a second round pick. Here's the problem. Cam Robinson, a franchise tag is one year, and Cam Robinson is not a good football player. He's just He just has never been a good football player ever. Jawan Taylor, also been a terrible football player. So this offensive line is not good, despite the fact that they've invested in offensive line and they franchised a guy. They brought in Scherf. Scherf is the best thing on this offensive line by kind of a long shot, but even he... It's hard to justify the amount of money he's been receiving lately, especially with, you know, second franchise tags and things of that nature, but they at least got that, but they need to be better along the offensive line. I don't know if Jawan Taylor can slide inside or if he's just going to be replaced or how that's all going to work, but there is nothing more important right now than to make sure that Trevor Lawrence has the best possible year. So you went out and you got Christian Kirk. You spent a bunch of money on it. You went out and you got Zay Jones. That's your speed guy. You spent a bunch of money on that. You've already got Marvin Jones Jr., who's a decent wide receiver. He really is. He's not elite, but I mean, it's just it's one of those guys that flies under the radar that's like, I forgot he was even in the league. It's like, yeah, he's, he's decent. To be completely honest, as far as PFF grades, he's pretty much on par with Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, so there's that. He ranks 59th, Zay Jones is 50th, Christian Kirk is 42nd, so there you go. Now, again, I wouldn't rule it out 100%. Um, they do have Josh Allen already. They've, they've invested a ton in other edge rushers, including Chase on. And I think they even swung at somebody else. I forget who it was, but um, obviously, you know, if he's just the best guy available, you take him. But my my main point here is for the Detroit Lions, I I see what makes the most sense to me is you grab an offensive lineman because you need to do better for Trevor Lawrence. You just have to. The guys that you have at tackle are not good. So you grab Evan Neal, you grab a new you grab whoever it is you're going to grab. And that puts Aiden Hutchinson at number two. And there's no way in the universe, in my opinion, they let... The, the, the Lions let Aiden Hutchinson walk right past him. Now, if Aiden does go number one, what would we love to see? Because obviously Aiden Hutchinson, again, I think if he falls to two, that is the pick, and we don't love to see that at all. I don't want to deal with him for 10 years or however long we to have to deal with this freakish psychopath. But it does get kind of interesting. Um, clearly offensive line is an option, but um, Taylor Decker is 27 years old, and he's pretty decent. Uh, they also just drafted Pene Sewell. Now they could replace Taylor Decker if they really wanted to, but as far as really big needs, I don't think offensive line is really it. Um, you know, unless you can slide somebody inside to maybe help out. I mean, you got Frank Ragnow, who's one of the better centers in football. Um, Vitae was really not that terrible on the interior. Um, they've got Jackson, Jonah Jackson, who they just drafted, third round pick, took a big second year leap. So you can improve this. Offensive line, no question. But I I, I think that would be my first answer. If they take offensive linemen, granted, you can upgrade it. And if you have to deal with Sewell, who takes a big jump, and then this other freak, they've got good tackles. That's not great for us. But I can live with that because their defense is the biggest abomination. They still don't have a ton of weapons, despite the fact that uh, Amon Ross St. Brown took a big jump. Seems to be decent. They did grab Chark, but Chark is whatever. They don't have much. They don't have a quarterback, they don't really have a running back. Uh, Hawkinson is decent, but I I think he had his, his real big, um, he had a big year two outlier and then he kind of regressed a little bit. Maybe he'll jump back out, but we're going into year four. He's had one good year. So, I mean, if I'm looking at this team, what is the best part of this team is the offensive line. If they invest in improving the best part of their team, I would take that as a win. What are some other options? Assuming they stay at two. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau is a big question mark for me. I don't want to deal with really good pass rushers. But I also think that there's a possibility that they invest in a guy that ends up being good, not great, and we can manage that. Kyle Hamilton is another option. Now I don't necessarily think he goes number two, but it might be one of those things where you know there's always shocking, surprising things that happen. If you listen to a lot of draft people, they'll tell you Kyle Hamilton is is maybe the second best guy in this class after Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I just listened. I think it was the SIS podcast. I think they said that they had Kyle Hamilton number number two and then Aiden Hutchinson. Could be wrong. Maybe maybe a, uh, Kyle was further down. I don't remember exactly. But it's not impossible, and it's also not impossible that he gets drafted and is a complete freak. But you know, some of his testing numbers haven't been super great. Uh, I don't really buy the four seven thing based on the fact that we just saw him at the combine and he ran like a four five nine. And I'm sorry if you can run a four five nine, I can't say that you can't run a four five nine because that doesn't make sense. You literally did it. So the 4.7 thing to me is sort of irrelevant if we know that he ran a 4.59. I'm not sure what the 4.7 thing, which was completely unofficial, hand-timed, and and it's more like rumors, rumored to be from some people. Um, plus, even his 4.59, if you look at Kyle Hamilton, because of the fact that he's six four, two 220 freaking pounds, even at 4.59, RAS is like, dude, that's that's pretty solid speed, man. He's got great athleticism. That's not like elite speed, but it's relative to his size, which is massive. Now, to be clear, my biggest objection to relative athletic score is the fact that it's relative, and some things aren't relative. Speed is not relative. Speed is speed, right? If if you got a guy that runs a four five nine, and let's just say for for the sake of example, Kyle Hamilton lines up in the to guard a wide receiver, and we have a wide receiver that runs a four three, and I'm like, this Kyle Hamilton is going to get absolutely fried right now. He's going to get cooked. And you're like, uh, no, he's 6'4". So as far as like pound for pound, they're like as fast. In fact, Kyle's a little faster. That's not how that, that's not how speed works. I'm sorry. So there is an element of relative athletic score is not useful. It's just a general metric of how athletic you are, given how big you are. But at the same time, when you talk about agility, when you talk about speed, these things are not relative, they're absolute. So even from that metric, relative athletic score is, is... Um, I mean, I don't want to dog it. It's, it's cool. But you, again, like every, with, with all these things, everything is useful as long as you know what it is you're looking at. You can't say somebody has a high RAS, therefore I know they're fast or agile. Not necessarily. It's fast and agile relative to their size. And sometimes you don't want relative absolute, uh, you don't want relative information. You want absolute information. But anyways, I would say Kyle, Kyle Hamilton would make me kind of happy, but, but nervous. Very similar to like the Bears taking Justin Fields or something, although I wasn't happy about it. But it's one of those things where if they take a quarterback, by the way, we'll get there, but if they were to take a quarterback, and let's just say you don't necessarily like the quarterback, um, you're relieved because you think that they're going to spend years in misery, but there's a possibility that, you know, this guy ends up being great. Same with Justin Fields. I'm happy they have Justin Fields because from what I've seen, he's not good at football. But I'm nervous that he figures it out and becomes elite because obviously he has all the tools, which granted most quarterbacks have all the tools. That's kind of an overused thing. If you are a first-round quarterback, you have every tool you need, maybe with the exception of one, right? If you have an immobile quarterback that can do everything else. Speaking of, any quarterback taken by the Lions, whether they trade back or stay put, I'm happy with. My assessment right now of this quarterback class is that it is hot garbage. I am a huge fan, as you know, of Matt Corral. I will never not be a huge fan of Matt Corral unless he gets drafted by the Bears or the Lions or the Vikings or whatever, in which case I'll be sad. But that is outside of the fact of just looking at the general metrics. I've got a, as I've been talking to, uh, mentioning a a few different times, I have a little formula that I use to kind of give overall grades based on metrics, which is grades, film, and statistics, which is production. So um, film and production coming together together to put together these metrics and to try to make it in a way that makes sense. In other words, if you're higher up on my metric, you should be a better quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. And the way that I do that is I incorporate other draft classes, and I tweak the formula until prior draft classes are sorted in a way that kind of reflects what we, what we know to be true. I'm predicting the past to be able to predict the future. But the bottom line is, and this is also true of wide receiver, by the way, um, previous quarterbacks rank much higher than this year's quarterback, much higher. And so if the Lions end up taking any of these quarterbacks, not that some of these guys, not that Malik Willis can't be a good quarterback or Kenny Pickett can't be a good quarterback or Matt Corral or Desmond Ritter or Carson Strong or Sam Howell or whoever it is you like, but if they take a quarterback, I'm probably going to do a victory lap because it's it's, it's just a weak group. And there's a lot of talent to be had here between the tackles and the pass rushers and the, you know Kyle Hamilton and the corners and pass rushers and so much elite athletes everywhere, Trayvon Walker and... Jermaine Johnson and Garrett Wilson and Drake London with his size and everything. There's there's all kinds of guys that, although the bust potential might be kind of high, with like a Drake London or whatever, I'm still going to be nervous about the potential. Otherwise, the only other thing that I can think of that would be somewhat of a relief to me might be corner. um, Partially because I'm not a huge believer, but the, the other thing that is a big relief as far as not being as concerned is any position that can't fix things by themselves. A quarterback can do damage by himself. A wide receiver can do damage by himself, right? It doesn't matter how good the other wide receivers are. That has no impact on my ability as, as a wide receiver. Like Devontae Adams, his production didn't really depend on the other wide receiver. You could say, well, you know, the, the extra attention, whatever. Not really. The point is he can do his own damage. Aaron Rodgers can do his own damage. Positions that are kind of based on the weakest link, like offensive line. Obviously, an offensive tackle is massively important, and this is not really a, an example for the Lions, but let's just say you have a terrible offensive line. If you draft a tackle and he's really, really good, that obviously is not a great thing. But if the rest of your offensive line is terrible, we can still generate pressure against your team. So it, it as far as how much it moves the needle overall, it's not as much. Right. If we have Preston and Rashawn and you draft a left tackle, Rashawn is not impacted by that even slightly. He's going to go up against your right tackle. He's going to d- d- annihilate him because you've done nothing to help that side of your offensive line. At the most, you've reduced Preston's ability to pressure you, which again is a negative. But corner is kind of similar to that because if, if you look at this team and say that they have no good corners, and, you know, maybe Akuda can figure it out, maybe, maybe, maybe all these different things. But, you know, if, let's just say they go get one stud whether they draft a guy or the draft doesn't really pan out, but then Okuda does, or, you know, Hughes is a good corner, or whatever it is. The point is, corner is another, only as good as your weakest link thing. Now, that's not entirely true because, you know, if you can erase one of the best wide receivers, this out of the other thing, fine, but we can still pick you apart if you have bad safeties and two bad corners and bad linebackers that can't cover and one good corner. We could just throw to other parts of the field. You can't cover every single position. Even defensive line is kind of like that to a point. I mean, if you look at the defensive line of the Lions and and basically say, you have nobody. If you draft somebody, whether that's one defensive tackle or one edge rusher, granted, one edge rusher can do a lot of damage. But if you just have one, the offensive line can also do things to kind of mitigate that damage. And we know for the most part, we're probably going to be able to keep our quarterback clean. Similarly, by running away from you, by, you know, chip blocking with the running back or all these other things. And we should be okay especially if we have a guy like David Bakhtiari and you line your guy up across from David Bakhtiari. They kind of cancel each other out, which is what happens either way. Maybe you generate a couple pressures, maybe a sack. But over the course of a game, if the rest of your defensive line is useless, I think we'll survive it. As for the Vikings, it gets a little bit more difficult because you don't know who's going to be available. Um, Again, with the whole Kyle Hamilton thing, not that anybody else necessarily cares, not that these teams are worried about it at all, but if there is any concern and he falls, it's possible the Vikings end up landing him you know, that we know that they do a really good job with safeties. Um, The the benefit there for, just in my opinion, this is just kind of me thinking these things through. The only reason that would not bother me as much is because I just assume the Vikings have good safeties. In fact, the safety situation has gotten significantly worse over the years. And the only good safety left is like 500 years old. And it's a matter of time before he leaves. So if Kyle Hamilton gets drafted by the Vikings and he ends up being a star, it's kind of a break even for the Vikings. So that one wouldn't bother me as much. You're finding a replacement for a guy that's leaving, which is important for the Vikings, but it's not really a big negative for us. Similarly with corner, again, they don't have anybody. If they draft one and he's a star, that stinks, but they still don't have a great DB group, right? Again, the safeties are are going in the wrong direction. The corners are, are not very useful, so the overall group is just not great. As I said before, I would be completely happy with quarterback. I would love it because... Uh, basically, similarly to um, safety, all you're doing is you're, first of all, upsetting Cousins, because although he probably knows he's got to go at some point, this is them saying, you're officially gone after, after this year. I don't know how we're going to do that cap-wise, but we're going to make it work and you're going to be out of here. But again, you're taking a guy who's going to sit on the bench, because Cousins is obviously going to play. And it's a wasted pick, and I don't think the quarterbacks are very good, and Cousins is going to be gone, and at best you're doing a lateral move, because Cousins is the sixth highest graded quarterback in football last year. So unless he plays in his top five, I don't really care. So that would be awesome. But also, if they don't draft a quarterback, that's still awesome, because then they go into next year with Kirk Cousins sitting there going, how about another extension? Because they have no other options. Um, Wide receiver would bother me from the standpoint of now they've got three, and that would be scary. but you know, you're you're making a strength stronger and not addressing any of your weaknesses. Um, Offensive tackle, I don't see as being super likely. Um, It's possible, but it's very similar to the Lions in terms of you can upgrade it, but it's not a massive upgrade. I like Derisaw and O'Neal, and Cleveland is also decent. Um, Interior offensive line would be a good pick. It would help bolster that offensive line that, you know, Bradbury and Davis are not very good. If they end up getting a Tyler Linderbaum or something, or 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 a Zion Johnson maybe if they really like him or Canyon Ken, Green I guess um, people seem to like him I don't know assuming it pans out that kind of stinks but at the same time I mean you're you're using a first round pick on a guard right so it's not it's not like a oh crap kind of a pick it's sort of a oh man they're they're gonna have a pretty good offensive line aren't they um, edge rusher would be kind of interesting and certainly not out of the question if if a, if a guy like Trayvon Walker is there, which I kind of doubt. Um, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. For example, I think he could go as early as two. If, if Aiden Hutchinson does go here, I still think pass rusher is the next best option. Kayvon Thibodeau is assumed to be the next guy. But with the athleticism of Trayvon Walker, it's not impossible that he ends up being the pick for the Lions at two. But whatever, if Thibodeau, Walker, Johnson, Karloftis, whatever are are available and are options, again, you've got Hunter and, and Zedarius as sort of your primary guys, but Hunter doesn't super fit your scheme anymore. Darius Smith, obviously very injured and old and probably not super long term solution. And you get into that rotational thing, right? Where you've got three guys now. Be very similar to what they did with Rashawn Gary in, in Green Bay when when Preston um excuse me, when um, Mike Smith and Mike Pettin were here in Green Bay, we went out and got Zadarius. We went out and got Preston and then we drafted Rashawn Gary. So that wouldn't super surprise me. But again, you're kind of making a quote unquote strength stronger. It's scary and I don't like it. And maybe Daniel kind of gets kicked inside or I don't exactly know how that all works, but I'm sure they'll make it work. And, and pass rushers always scary, but, but again, you have done nothing to address the bigger weaknesses like cornerback. So, you know, I I think if they take quarterback, if they take, um, guard, you know, it's probably a good pick or a responsible pick, but I don't know that it's going to scare me too much. Um, and corner would kind of suck if it hits but that's the other the other element of this is let's just call it a 50/50 chance that this doesn't super pan out the pick doesn't and then if it does how much does that hurt us Meh. to be completely honest i mean it's it, in the first round this is probably why the packers generally do this in the first round or l- let me put it this way the, the the biggest impact of a draft isn't what you do in the first round it's it's the hits over the course of of the draft if the packers hit on a corner and that's all they do. That's not great. Or the Vikings. Did I say Packers? I, I, again, I can't stop. If the Vikings hit on a corner and nobody else, it's not that big of a deal. But if they hit on a corner and then also add a guard and also add a decent pass rusher and also get a, you know another wide receiver, linebacker, whatever it is they end up doing, that's when it's like, oh, crap. But in the first round is when you get the freaks, right? That's where guard doesn't really, because you can get a guard later. What you can't get is a Trayvon Walker in round three or four. You can, but it's very unlikely. So that's where you get these super high-impact players. That's where you get your lockdown corners. That's where you get your, your elite pass rushers. That's where you—the only place you're going to find quarterbacks is in the first round, preferably early first round. That's where you're going to get your starting left tackles if you need that. So I think in both cases, what you're really hoping for is you just don't want them to get that super high-impact player. If they get a fill-in guard, cool you used your opportunity to draft an elite player at an elite position to get a guard. Congratulations. They tried that with Garrett Bradbury, and look how that panned out. They didn't get an elite player at an elite position, and they also didn't even get a good player because it just didn't pan out. Also, in regards to the Minnesota Vikings, and and granted, if you anytime, same with the Bears, sorry if you can hear my dog barking, Um, similar to the Bears, when you see trade up, you get nervous. Like, oh shoot, man, they're they're trading up, and they're going to get that, uh, and it makes you nervous, but you got to remember, if you're trading up, you're giving up additional picks. And so that second part of the equation of getting multiple hits in a draft gets less likely, which is the biggest issue with trading up is the most important thing is multiple hits in a draft. The second most important thing is real big hits. If you give up the multiple part in hopes of actually just getting that one big one, you're taking a pretty big gamble because you, you there's a bigger chance you end up with neither. So I, I, I'm almost in favor of the Vikings using some kind of draft capital to move up because You know, how many of these guys super freak me out? You know, Trayvon Walker would make me uncomfortable, but that's with the assumption that, again, I don't know exactly what the plan is with Hunter, and Zadarius is obviously a short term thing. And we've seen the Vikings with two elite pass rushers before. Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter in their prime, this was such a, a scary, horrifying defense, and we managed. We managed. Daniil Hunter was legitimately one of the better pass rushers in football. We managed. So it's scary when teams trade up, but there's a, there's a part of me that kind of hopes that they do because I don't want them to get any more pick. They have needs at, at tight end, offensive line, I think running back. You say whatever you want about Dalvin Cook, but this guy has not been a big impact guy basically since forever. He's constantly injured. He ranked 42nd out of 62 running backs last year. He can't stay healthy. He's over the hill. His production is falling. The offensive line isn't good enough to block for him anyways. Y- you you might need to look in another direction, which granted they, they have. They've, they've been drafting, but I'm just saying... Not not exactly a we-don't-need-it type of position. You know How long is Thielen going to be there? Are we going to need to look at a, a number two outside of Justin Jefferson soon? The defensive line needs to be kind of retooled because we're changing the way we play defense, so we need different styles of defensive tackles and pass rushers. We don't have any corners. We need better linebackers. And again, safety with um, Harrison Smith getting much, much older. Man, PFF is slow today. He is 33 years old. Still kicking, man. He's still going. But his last, like, dominant year was 2019. And what I've said about him is he alternates, right? Dominant in 2015, good in 2016. Dominant in 2017, good in 2018. Dominant in 2019, good in 2020. 2021 was supposed to be dominant. It wasn't. It was good. So if this follows the trend of, you know, that was his spike and then he goes back down, this could be his first bad year. Or maybe it paused a year or whatever. But I don't, I don't know, but I'm just saying, what happened to that dominant year? Where did that go? Well, he's 33. So they also could use a safety. Anyways, the, the the only other thing I want to look at, since we're talking about the other teams in the draft, is um, the picks that uh, our competition has. We know we didn't talk about Chicago because they don't have a um, a first-round pick. Detroit, though, very similarly to the Packers, has a ton of pick. And obviously, they, they not only have two first-round picks, thanks, actually, should have been glad for uh, LA winning the Super Bowl because it put the Lions at pick 32, which is fantastic for us. But they have pick two and pick thirty two, as well as their second round pick, two third round picks, and then fifths and two sixths and a seventh. So they, they have a big pile. Nine total picks, five in the top one hundred. Now that's not really um up to snuff with the Packers and their eleven picks and uh five in the top one hundred, but you know, it's they're doing all right. But the point is the the Lions, first of all, don't really need to trade back. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, they have so many needs. If they trade back and turn this into um, you know, an additional, for example, the 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 Eagles could potentially package two of their first round picks. They have like three. That would give the Lions three first round picks or possibly, or, or even more likely a team trades up and they get their first round pick as well as next year's first and probably additional compensation because you're giving up number two overall. So if you give up a next year's for, you know, you get somebody's next year's for, well, if they get like 32nd again, that sucks. So you're going to want some additional right now compensation. So at the very least, I want your second round pick as well. So then they would have two firsts, two second, and then next year would also have two first round picks, assuming they don't already have another first next year. I don't know. They might. So uh, I, I guess the main point is there really isn't a need. A lot of times when you trade back, it's because we have so many needs and we don't have enough pick. The Lions have a massive amount of needs, So if they feel the need to do it, but there's, there's no pressing need to trade back. It's really just based on we don't, we're not massively in love with anybody um, or, or at the very least, we got five guys that we love. If you want to move up two spots, pff, do it. I don't care. Minnesota, um, they have eight picks, only three of them in the top 100 because they do not have a fourth-round pick. They have their pick 12, pick uh, 46, and pick 77. After that, they basically have none of their own picks. Their fourth, fifth, sixth, or excuse me, their fourth, their fifth, and their seventh are all gone. But they got Baltimore's fifth, the Jets' sixth, Baltimore's sixth, and top of their own sixth, and San Francisco's seventh. So it's a hodgepodge of of moves and things that have basically given them somewhat of a normal um, first, second, third, fifth, three, sixth, and a seventh. So again, if they decide to trade up, and and when you're already at 12, it costs a lot every move you make. So if you move up to even eight or nine, you might be forfeiting your second round pick. So again, for that reason, I would love it because they end up getting one of those guys. You know, they they move up, they get Kyle Hamilton, and it's kind of like, oh crap, they might get an elite safety, but they've already had that. And they're done until pick 77. And after that, they're done until pick 156. So they've got nothing left. There's really nothing left to improve this team. So at that point, we look at Kyle Hamilton, even if we forfeit it and say, you know what, they're going to have an elite safety duo, that sucks. But everything else about that team stays about the same. Pending maybe like a decent hit somewhere else, but that's it, they're done. Chicago doesn't have a first. They do have two second-round picks and a third, so they've got, still got three in the top 100, but um, they've only got six total picks. This is very standard for the Bears. They never have any picks. The ability to get multiple hits, because that's the reason I say that that's most important is that's how you build a roster. You have to get hits on guys that are cheap, that are rookies, that, that can produce, and um, the only way to do that is multiple swings because most of these guys are not going to pan out. And so getting you know high-level talent is huge, and Gudekunz has done a good job at that, I think the one thing that, if anything, we need him to improve on is really getting contributors in the mid and late rounds. And th- there have been some, and I'm, I'm not even saying he's below average, I don't really know, but um, it is an important element. I mean, he's done a, an, an, an elite job of getting the elite talent in the first and second round. But we got to start getting some third round guys that actually pan out. We got to start getting some fourth round guys that pan out. You know, I mean, a, an occasional subpar Offensive guard in the sixth round is night, but um, you know we, we we need one of these tight ends to hit one of these days. We need one of these wide receivers like Amari Rogers to hit one of these days. We need one of these third-round defensive tackles, um, you know, like Kingsley Kiki or you know a mid-round like T.J. Slayton or one of these guys. We need somebody like that to pan out. And again, the the, the benefit is the Packers have a massive amount of picks, and that just increases the odds. Even if you're just an average drafter overall, your odds just went through the roof because we have 11 picks in the draft. Which, by the way, is um, all the more reason to think that we're going to be able to move up. We are a team that doesn't have as many needs as most teams. We have way more picks than most teams. We have a ton in the top 100, and even outside of that, we have two fourth-round picks, which Brian Gutekunst loves to use as move-up material. We usually don't even have fourth-round picks because we trade that to move up in the first or whatever. This year we have two, so we can use that to move up and still have our fourth, because we have a fourth-round compensatory pick. So it'll be interesting, man. I mean, it's going to be a fun night. Um, I'm hoping we can kind of do something fun on draft night. I have got, um, unfortunately, like happened two years ago, very important plans that I'm probably not going to be able to get out of right on draft day, like exactly on the day and exactly at the time. Um, So we'll see. We're going to try to figure something out. But I'm excited, man. And it's not just for the Packers. I mean, the whole thing is exciting. You know, I mean, the Lions get the number two pick, so they're going to do something big right there. Um, You know, even watching the Jaguars and trying to figure out how they're building and trying to, you know, navigate their disaster of of an environment and build a new culture and protect Trevor Lawrence and make that pick not suck. The Texans obviously are from the absolute bottom of the barrel trying to make this thing work. They've got a lot of work to do. What are they going to do? The Jets. I mean, it's hard to get excited about the Jets because they just stay sucking. But I mean, the, you know, all this stuff. It's just, it's just exciting to me, man. Every, every team is like its own little mini drama. It's like a mini series with, with all the different things that are going on and all the different dynamics of the coaches and the players and their history and 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 you know whether they're in all in territory or tear down territory or they're in a process of a rebuild or it's it's just it's all fun stuff to me. It's all interesting and, and and each one of these picks and trades and everything is just another big moment in that team's mini series and their mini drama. And of course, that all impacts the Packers as well, which which makes that even more interesting in, in monitoring them because even if you're mostly just a Packer fan, what happens with these teams impacts our team. Their picks mean they can't be our picks, and also we have to play them and it just it's it's all intertwined. So I had a bunch of other stuff I wanted to look at, but, We're butting up to an hour here, so I do need to uh, get out of here and get going. Plus, this is a late release because I did stay home today. But tomorrow will be another fun day. Again, I've got a bunch of stuff queued up that I was excited to do today and didn't. So tomorrow will be a fun draft day as well. But you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.